Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Werner, Illini Inquirer publisher, here with you with one more podcast before we get to the Illinois-Nebraska game, and that's what we're focusing on here today. It's uh, I'm recording this at 10.38 a.m. on Friday, so about 24 hours before kickoff of Illinois-Nebraska. Figured the 24 hours before you guys uh, have a preview to listen to here because this is a huge game. Uh, I know most people this week are thinking about Illinois basketball and we'll have a big season preview on the podcast here coming up and we have our preseason content churning out here. I got a big feature coming up on on an Illinois freshman uh, that I think people should know more about. So excited about that. But Illinois football won a game last week. And while it wasn't all that impressive and while it was against Rutgers, they won a game and that gives them at least a path to salvage a season, right? You're one and three. I think most people at this point would have thought maybe they could be two and two. If you were an optimist like me and before the COVID losses, you thought maybe they could be three and one. I thought this was a favorable start to the schedule. But with all their struggles, both defensively and offensively, they're back to basically a full roster now. Now you have some injuries, whether it's Jamal Woods or Alex Palczewski. You got some injuries now. But this is basically your full roster. And Brandon Peters is back. We'll see if Brandon or Isaiah starts. Uh, Isaiah Williams, who who had a record 192 rushing yards last week. And we got a pod devoted just to that with Riley O'Toole. We went for about 30 minutes on it. But this is a huge game. Because if you can win this against a Nebraska team that hasn't been that impressive... And, and this isn't just this year. They're 1-2 and two this year. They lost to Ohio State Northwestern, who are combined undefeated. Uh, they beat Penn State, who hasn't won a game yet. But offensively, they haven't been as good as Nebraska teams in the past. Defensively, they are a little bit better, especially the last couple of weeks. But this is a winnable game for an Illinois team that thought it was going to be a lot better. So if you're going to live up to those expectations and you're going to salvage the season and get to three or four wins, you got to find a way to win this one. Because coming up next week is Ohio State. Coming up the week after that, right, you're getting into Iowa and Northwestern. And while I think Iowa and Northwestern could be winnable games, those teams have proven to be a lot better than you. And if you don't beat Nebraska, I I don't think I can predict that you'll beat those teams. So for Lovey Smith's tenure, this feels like a big game, right? And and they haven't, you know, Lovey hasn't tamped that down at all. You got to win back-to-back games. And last week's win allowed you to keep hope alive that just like last year, when you started 0-3 in the Big Ten, you could find a way to turn around the season. But to turn around the season, you got to win a game you're not expected to win. And before the season, I didn't like this matchup against Nebraska because, frankly, Illinois' defense has been atrocious against Nebraska. But Nebraska has a different quarterback this week. No more Adrian Martinez. It's Luke McCaffrey. Their weapons aren't as good. Wondell Robinson, who torched Illinois, is still there. But J.D. Spielman gone. Maurice Washington gone. Devon Zigbo has been gone for a while. 
they don't have as many weapons and, and they're not producing as much offense here recently. So let's preview this matchup. Let's preview this game, which is a big game for Illinois football's 2020 season, potentially uh, the future of this program. Mike Schaefer covers Nebraska for 24-7 sports at Husker 24-7. He previews Nebraska, tells us about Scott Frost's program, the offense under Luke McCaffrey, defensive improvements so far this year. Oh, and by the end, we talk a little bit about Fred Hoiberg and his recent five-star get. That's coming up next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the Illini Enquirer podcast, and let's get you ready for Saturday's 11 a.m. kickoff between Illinois and Nebraska. Two one-win teams, Nebraska at 1-2 and two, and Illinois at 1-3, and, and, and both these Big Ten West teams really looking to stay out of the bottom of the division. And let's preview the Nebraska Cornhuskers with our guy Mike Schaefer from Husker 24-7. What's up, Mike? How you doing, man? I am. Uh, I'm doing well. Looking forward to uh, another game this weekend. And as you said, both of these teams really want that second win. And so I, uh, I'm sure we're going to dive into it. I am stunned that this spread is as high as it is uh, because Nebraska has struggled to score this year. Yeah. Yeah, uh, both these programs have, so it's going to be really interesting because I, I kind of yeah. predict a higher-scoring game because I'm not a big fan of these defenses, but uh, offensively it hasn't gone that well either. All right, before we get into that, Mike, I, I just kind of want to get um, kind of an update on the program, right? Because Nebraska is 1-2. and two. They're coming off a, a win over Penn State, which uh, surprisingly 0-4 Penn State. Uh, but Scott Frost is now 7-14 and 14 during Big Ten play. I think some people thought he could lift them to the top tier of the Big Ten West at some point, and and maybe he just needs more time. Um, but for Illini fans listening to this, what's kind of been behind the early struggles here of having a 33-win percentage, and, and what's kind of the long-term outlook for him making that leap in the Big Ten West? I, I don't know if there's a single thing that you could point to is it's just been that one issue. I think one of the things the staff really wanted to do was try to get here and then immediately figure out which guys they thought were going to put in the effort and which guys they thought were just sort of hanging out to play college football. And so I think they really flipped their roster. And with that, they don't have a ton of experience, or they didn't in 2018 and 2019 at various spots. They switched to a 3-4 defense going into 2017 and didn't really have any pieces recruited for it. And so that took a little bit more time. And and one of the things that's going to be interesting with this game is Nebraska has faced uh, some outside of Northwestern with Ohio State and Penn State. They faced some pretty good offenses 
which I think sort of lie about what their defense is actually capable of doing because they've done a nice job with both Northwestern and, and Penn State in slowing down uh, the points scored. So I, I think they're, they're slowly getting better. Uh, they've, they've recruited well, and that hasn't really ever been a big issue for Nebraska. They've always kind of been a top 25 recruiting team, but they haven't always developed players at a high level. And so this staff, uh, I think they've got a lot of eggs in the basket of their 2019 class. They've got a lot of guys they really like uh, that come out of that group, including the starting quarterback, Luke McCaffrey, as well as Wondell Robinson, uh, who fans in Illinois know quite well from last year. And then they've got some defensive players they really like out of that 2019 class as well. And so I think they, they really underestimated where the roster was, um, and especially when they got here and they started – you know, more or less kind of just asking some guys to, to move on from the program. And, and unlike, uh, you know, what Illinois did with, with Lovey Smith, where he's had some pretty good success bringing in these grad transfers, Nebraska really hasn't had a great grad transfer or, or a lot of, you know, help coming from the JUCO ranks. So they've, they really haven't had the, the ability to find those quick fixes. It's not for the lack of effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the ones that they brought in haven't necessarily resulted in in even holding down starting jobs in some situations. Mike, I remember I saw like a headline come from one of you. I don't remember if it was Brian or Michael or you, but um, that, that Adrian Martinez was like in a quarterback competition. I was like, oh, I, I, that that's interesting because around here, uh, Adrian Martinez has looked like an All-American uh, against Illinois. Yeah. The last two games, uh, he started against Illinois. Nebraska scored 96 points and has 1,280 yards of offense. So uh, Luke McCaffrey now takes over his first start last week, and it's a win against Penn State. What was behind that move to go from Martinez to McCaffrey, and, and how does McCaffrey change the offense, if at all? Yeah, it, it's wild because if you would have asked me coming into the year, I would have told you that it's still Adrian Martinez's job. I still think he's the most talented guy in the room. And I think that second thing is true, but there's something going on when he's on the field where it's just the offense is not clicking and he just seems like he's a little slow in processing all of the information in front of him, which then results in just being off by a tick. And so in that game against Northwestern, you know, Nebraska had some plays dialed up, and they had some opportunities to hit some stuff down the field, and he was just slow in, in getting those throws done. And I think that with Luke McCaffrey, you know, it's not always pretty. He doesn't have a great throwing motion. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He's a tremendous athlete, and he just seems to to move quicker. The offense seems to have a faster tempo and pace, and I think they're just sort of betting on on that pace and that athleticism uh, winning the day over what Adrian does have a, a little bit better of an arm, but it, it doesn't matter as much as if, if you're not able to find the read that you need to in the time of which those guys are open. And so it's been a weird year. I mean, I, I, I really thought coming into 2019 that Nebraska had their quarterback for the future and Adrian Martinez, and he had a, a tough year after that Illinois game. If you look at his numbers, mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty bad. And then you, you look at him, uh, to start the year, he played okay against Ohio State, and then Northwestern was a really bad game for him uh, throwing the ball, and, and Nebraska just felt like they had to make a move because I, I think they were worried about losing some of their team because they they have these guys that, uh, you know, they feel like they can go out and win games, and the offense has just been a struggle in every which way outside of the quarterback run game. So that's about the only thing they've done well through three games on the offensive side of the ball. 
Yeah, in the last couple of years, Nebraska certainly had some really good offensive weapons. You think of Maurice Washington, J.D. Spielman, who's now at TCU, Divine Zigbo, who's in the NFL. Uh, but the Arsenal doesn't seem as full now, uh, at least at the moment. We'll see what they do against Illinois. And as you said, the offensive numbers are down. So what does McCaffrey have around him, um, and how has Frost kind of used those weapons? Yeah, so the big thing this week is, is Nebraska's running back, Dedrick Mills, uh, got banged up against Penn State, and it's still unclear if he's going to be available to go against Illinois. And why that matters is if he doesn't play against Illinois, does Wandale Robinson move to running back? Hmm. That's what they did when Maurice Washington went out after the first half against Illinois last year. Wandale had a great game. It's also the only time when he's had the ball or had more than 10 carries in a game that he's averaged more than four yards a carry. Otherwise, he's really struggled. The offensive line has really struggled. Teams load the box against Nebraska because they don't respect their wide receivers, nor should they. I mean, Nebraska's receivers haven't done anything, and they haven't proven an ability to throw downfield. And so the big game within the game becomes, what do you do with Wondell Robinson? Because if you tip your hand that he's at running back, you're going to just have loaded boxes the entire game, and you don't possess the weapons to really attack vertically. How do you create enough offense to survive that way? So I, it's going to be really interesting. Mills should be better than what we've seen through three weeks so far. Um, Nebraska's offensive line, again, they're just facing these boxes with eight, nine bodies in it. And teams are just loading up against the quarterback run game and against the inside zone. And, and Nebraska has not found a way to combat that very well. You mentioned the passing game a little bit. Um, Illinois' pass defense has struggled for the most part. I mean, Noah Vedral got picked off three times uh, in the last 20 minutes. A lot of that was on Vedral, but but Illinois finally got some positives in the passing game. But against Purdue, Minnesota, uh, and of course Wisconsin, uh, they've really struggled. So um, wh- what does Nebraska have in, in the pass game? doesn't sound like much at this point. No, it, it, their leading receiver, I think, has 92 yards through three games this year. Hmm. And that's, not, that's a that's a second-string tight end that is actually leading the team in receiving yards. Uh, their, their leading receiver against Northwestern, Marcus Fleming's a freshman. He had, uh, I think he had five catches for 75 yards the next week against Penn State. He didn't have a catch. Um, you know, those Kansas City Chief plays where the quarterback takes the snap and he just tosses the ball to his receiver who's going in motion who cuts behind the line of scrimmage, catches it, and, and Xavier Betts ran it in. So they, they have a couple freshmen that are really interesting, but they're in this weird spot where they have these veterans that they like to help with the blocking for their quarterback run game and their 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 overall run game. But those guys haven't shown up in terms of catches or production. Uh, and so they're, they're in this weird spot where you just burn the boats and play the young guys and, and live with those lumps because they're, they're more athletic, they're better. Both Xavier Betts, Marcus Fleming uh, were in the top 247 at 24-7 sports. At one point in time, Elante Brown was the number one prep school player in the country. He's out of Chicago. I know this game yeah. means a ton to him, too, uh, to, to be able to play against uh, Illinois and, and the state school there. But they just haven't really turned those freshmen loose, and their their veterans are, are all walk-on wide receivers that, again, they can help them in the run game with, with good edge blocking. But at what expense does it come in their passing game? So it's going to be fascinating because it's kind of got a defense that seems to give up, uh, you know, quite a bit through the air and an offense that can't seem to take anything through the air. So how does that all work together on Saturday is sort of where you have to figure out how this game plays out. 
Mike, defensively, Nebraska has struggled in, in recent years. Uh, even Illinois has put up 73 points in their last two games, uh, even though they're, they're both losses. Um, how is the defense this year, and, and, and what are their strengths and weaknesses on that side of the ball? Statistically, they don't look very good, but I'm telling you, they've so much improved from where they've been the last two years. And, and part of it is the small sample size of your first game was against Ohio State, right. and the starting defense gave up 38 points. Uh, the backups gave up a touchdown, and Nebraska allowed a scoop and score on offense. And so they they played okay against Justin Fields, uh, who you know is the best quarterback in the Big Ten, and and they have a ton of weapons. But they shut down that Ohio State running game. Ohio State really struggled to run the ball, but they were able to throw it all over the field because they have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and and all of those those weapons. And so then they they played Northwestern, and Northwestern couldn't do anything on offense. Uh, they had a big run. And they had two kick returns or a kick return and a punt return set up their other touchdowns. Otherwise, Nebraska was able to to kind of turn those guys back. And then Penn State rolled up a bunch of yards, but they weren't able to put up points on the board. So Nebraska's got a very bend-don't-break defense. I would expect that Illinois is going to be able to get some yardage. But the key in this game is, is going to really be which of these teams turns those, those drives into touchdowns. Nebraska struggled in the red zone on offense. They played pretty well in the red zone on defense. That's kind of been their recipe. It feels like that's going to have to be their recipe on Saturday. They got a lot better in the middle of the field uh, at linebacker. They've got several guys that are playing at a really high level at linebacker. The defensive line looks pretty good. And they got a veteran secondary. I mean, they're, they're trending towards being a lot better on defense. It just doesn't look like it if you look at the stats uh, and, and with that Ohio State game and then, of course, with Penn State rolling up 500 yards of offense. Yeah, we looked at that uh, early schedule. The Big Ten did them no favors. Um, let me ask you about that, Mike. Um, Nebraska's been very vocal, and they've gotten a lot of backlash. Um, just what's the feel after all of this with, you know, it feels like everyone's kind of outcasting Nebraska here a little bit. And, and I think it's because a lot of people say, hey, you got to be better to do these things. Like if you're Ohio State and you, and you yell about these things, understandable. But in Lincoln, what's kind of been the response of – Nebraska getting a lot of criticism for how vocal they were about the Big Ten and, and playing this season. Yeah, it's funny because in a lot of respects, I think Nebraska looks pretty smart relative to the leaders of the conference. Uh, Nebraska was one of the first programs, if not the first program, to go buy its own rapid testing to kind of force the Big Ten to, to decide what they wanted to do. Uh, and they were doing that before the schedule or the season was even guaranteed that it was going to play. They were doing it for the safety of the athletes at the University of Nebraska. Uh, they were pretty vocal about wanting to start the season earlier and spreading it out so that way there would be time to work in some of these games that we've seen lost. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Maryland is now the, the new Wisconsin back-to-back weeks. They're not going to play a game. Uh, Wisconsin missed two games, which I think is detrimental for the Big Ten West because you, you could end up in a situation where Wisconsin doesn't play Purdue or Nebraska, and uh, they could end up, you know, if they, they only lose one game, they could end up playing and representing the Big Ten West. And, and they might be the best team, but it's just like the fact that the Big Ten didn't allow any extra time. Mm-hmm. Uh, or And then on top of it, you know, Nebraska wanted to play a, a non-conference game. We're seeing the Pac-12 basically acknowledge, like, look, we just want our athletes to be able to play games. If we can do that safely, let's make that happen. I just think that there's been enough of these things that, the Big Ten sort of staunch refusal on it has been uh, kind of looked ridiculous the further we, we go along with this. And, and certainly the way they came out with the, the schedule, they started practice and they shut everything down within three days in August. 
could not have looked worse in my mind uh, going forward. And, and especially because if you look at where the Big Ten sits, numbers are so much worse now in November yep. and heading into December, if we're talking COVID, than they were in, in August and September. And so, but look, no one's ever been in a pandemic before. And, and so I don't think you can fault anybody too much. Where I think Nebraska needs to pipe down and not, not, I don't even think it's the football uh, side of it, but Nebraska's AD got very blustery about the schedule. And I thought that was the dumbest thing in the world. You play in the Big Ten Conference, you play Big Ten teams. That's what you're going to get. It doesn't matter who your crossover games are. Just shut up, show up on the field, and play the game. Mm -hmm. They beat Penn State on Saturday. They lost to Ohio State. They went one and one. You lost to Northwestern the week before. That's a game that people expect. You know, so I, I get really tired of the schedule talk. Yes. Because, you, you know, that's just who you have to play. That's the conference that you're in. I, I think they did themselves – Bill Moose did the program no favors with sort of his own commentary about how, you know, sort of making it seem like there's this conspiracy that the Big Ten was ganging up on Nebraska. If they would have just stuck with the, this is what we wanted to do, we just want to play football, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. They haven't had an outbreak. They've done a pretty nice job. And they, they've had guys that have tested positive. Uh, I think for the football team, they had to deal with that more in June and July than they've had to as the season has gone on. Um, but they, they've done a nice job, you know, creating and, and fostering a safe environment. If they could just get past the pettiness of the schedule and the woe is us stuff that nobody respects, nor should they, nor should anybody in the Nebraska media, I think that they would have a, a lot more people sort of in their corner that, yeah, yeah, these guys were right, you know, back in August when they were trying to rally the troops to play the first time. Yeah, and maybe Big Ten was right right off the bat, right? And with the early schedule before the, the second wave comes. And right. Yeah, now we're experiencing right. that. So, yeah, I think the Big Ten probably made the first call right, and then they got spooked with the myocarditis, which I understand. Again, like, I'm glad yeah. I'm not making these decisions. But, um, you know, hindsight, it looks like the Big Ten was on uh, the right track early. And you're right, Nebraska's handled this well in-house. In Illinois had a couple positive tests, but it didn't flare up to the Wisconsin-Maryland level. And, and both of them right. have the rapid testing. So kudos to both those schools because we're going to play a game here. And, um, Mike, as we wrap this up, what are some of the keys to this game for you? And, and how do you feel about this matchup? I think Isaiah Williams is sort of the X factor and Luke McCaffrey's the X factor. And look at the, the big brain analysis I'm providing by saying guys that could be playing quarterback are X factors. But in both of those situations, you know, Nebraska does not do well or has not done well in the past with quarterbacks that are mobile that can move where you really emphasize the quarterback run game. They struggled last week against Penn State, whether it was Sean Clifford or Will Levis, uh, when they, they had designed runs or even scrambles. Uh, they just don't play as well in that environment. And I know that's true for Illinois, too, where Adrian Martinez made a lot of his his big moves uh, were not necessarily design plays, but when he just tuck it and ran. Mm -hmm. Luke McCaffrey is significantly more dangerous doing that than Adrian Martinez was. He's just not as dangerous throwing the ball. And so both of those guys, they're, I wouldn't say they're mirror image by any means because I, I think they're, they're, they're different enough players. But both of them are going to be very dangerous uh, to the respective defenses that they're playing because they can always just take off and get those extra four or five yards. And you do that enough times or you break, you know, a big one, and you flip field position, it, it changes everything else. And then for Nebraska, it's going to come down to uh, can that defense just continue to, to play well in the red zone like they did against Penn State? Uh, I think they turned them back three or four times in the red zone, forced field goals twice, turnovers on downs twice. Uh, they've gotten a little bit better. They've really made quarterbacks uncomfortable this year. So they're getting more pressure. 
Uh, I don't know what Illinois' offensive line exactly looks like. And it could be Brandon Peters. It could be Isaiah Williams. Mm-hmm. But if it's Brandon Peters, then you got to be able to get some pressure on him and force those quick throws. They've done a nice job, you know, forcing some turnovers this year. I think Nebraska's defense is really going to have to go win this game for them uh, because I just don't see that offense. I know it, it sounds weird because of what they've done in recent years, but the, the offense is just not at the same level as even last year uh, where they went into the Champaign and they had that big comeback. Mike, what's this uh, game mean for Nebraska's season? Because for Illinois, it feels like uh, this might be one of the last chances they have to get a victory, which means a lot for Lovey Smith. So what's this game mean for Scott Frost in Nebraska? For Nebraska, this is kind of like an additional to the, you know, it's a little bit of a runway. If you can get this win, then the rest of that schedule, you get Iowa, you get Purdue, you get Minnesota. Those are games where before the season, they're all sort of kind of toss-ups or close to toss-ups. And so if you're in Nebraska, you get this Illinois game, and then you have the opportunity uh, to, to finish out with those three teams. They played Iowa close each of the last two years. They've lost to Purdue twice, and they split with Minnesota. They can go two and one, all the, and, and they win this Illinois game. They're four and three, and everybody around here would take that in a heartbeat. So uh, it's a huge game, I think, for both of these teams in terms of just kind of setting their programs going forward. Mike Schaefer, Husker 24-7. Mike, I can't appreciate enough the insight you've given, and uh, I'll see you in Lincoln, man. All right, Jeremy. Hey, we love talking to you, and uh, we'll have to get you on our podcast sometime, too. We'll we do. get a little uh, basketball talk now that Nebraska is a basketball school. I was going to say – five-star and all. I was going to say I, – I, thank you for reminding me. i got to ask you about that. Bryce McGowan's – I mean, this is the Big Ten now, Mike. I know Nebraska is not going to be very good this year, most likely, but uh, the fact that you have Nebraska getting five-star recruits, I mean, the, the depth of this conference and the coaching in this conference is, is just ridiculous. I think one of the biggest changes to me since Nebraska's entered the Big Ten is just watching the wealth of coaching talent in both men's basketball and football just explode. I think it's the deepest. If you if you just take just the, the coaches, they have the most name-brand coaches compared to any other conference in America uh, in terms of both of those sports. And, and you kind of see it play out. And with Fred Hoiberg, it's going to take a little bit of time, but they're going to be sort of an annoying team for people to play this year. And I think that for Hoiberg, he's going to take a little bit of the same kind of path that, that Brad Underwood did uh, in which you go from the big 12 and it's a more wide open style of basketball. And you kind of have to change yourself a little bit as you get into the big 10, because you play the Wisconsin's of the world and the Penn States that just want to muck it up and, and get you into a rock fight. And you have to figure out how you're going to change your style. And so I think this is a big year for Nebraska. They've got a bunch of guys that they really like that are really talented that have to, A, learn to play together, and then, B, adjust to the Big Ten. And it's a deep year for Big Ten basketball. And so if Nebraska can scratch out six wins in conference play, I think there's going to be a lot of enthusiasm about where they sit as a program going into next year. Yeah, and Fred's just got a lot of credibility, right? Um, and, and you're right. I mean, when Nebraska can hire people like that, Illinois can steal a guy from Oklahoma State. I mean, um, it's pretty impressive. I, I agree with you. It's the, it's the best coaching talent, I think, both in football and basketball, even if they don't get the best player talent. Um, so that, that, yeah. always, that always makes it interesting. Mike. It, it should be fun. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun. Mike, appreciate it, man. All right, Jeremy. Have a good one. Great stuff from Mike Schaefer, Husker 24-7. Check out their stuff. Get you ready for the game. This is a big game, as I said, uh, leading into this. Uh, it's, a, it's a big game for Illinois football because if you win this game, I think you start to get people who kind of jumped off to be like, oh, okay, well, probably not going to win against Ohio State, but you got my attention. 
right? You, you got my attention going to the final couple of weeks, then into the ninth game, possibly if you get one a, a win against Iowa um, or Northwestern, then you got the attention, right? And and then, as I said previously, I think I've said previously on this podcast, if you want to make COVID-19 and losing Brandon Peters and losing some key players, if you want to make that a legitimate excuse, you got to win a couple more games here, right? Because you can't say ah, that that's what derailed our season because maybe it does, but you still have to be competitive. You still have to find ways to get wins when you have your full roster. You have to be able to handle some early disappointment and come back from it. And Lovie Smith did show with his team last year, he was able to rally the troops. And you're able to rally the troops, get them to believe a little bit against Rutgers, even though it was ugly. You shot yourself in the foot a couple times, but you found a way to win a game. And that should give some confidence. And Lovey Smith said, it feels different around here this week. I think they know this is this is the game to turn the season around. Because if you don't do it this time in this game, you're staring at, at one and five with Iowa coming to town uh, and then Northwestern at the end. And we know Pat Fitzgerald and his record against Illinois is pretty stellar. So it just becomes too big of a hole to climb out of for the season. And then we'll be getting into the... Is is Lovey Smith the guy for the future? I know we already have, but we'll be definitely getting to that if you lose this game and then you follow it up with Ohio State, which Ohio State's just in a different stratosphere of every Big Ten team right now, uh, let alone Illinois. All right, thanks as always for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Get all your preview information, keys to the game, Illini to watch. Uh, I had a Illini in the spotlight this week um, kind of broke ground <laughs> with one that I chose because not necessarily a player. Uh, then I get into some Nebraska players to watch, and we all give our predictions. The Inquirer staff of Mariah Guzman, Derek Piper, 4-0 and so far. So you might want to check out his prediction because it's been pretty good. All the rest of us have a lot of losses. I think Ryan Easterling's 3-1, and but Gavin Good, Mariah, and I are all 2-2 two and two so far this year. Um, so go check that out at IlliniInquire.com. And Eric Piper is pumping out the basketball content as well as we get ready for the 2020-21 season. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. We'll see what happens, but enjoy the game. Enjoy a great weekend. Uh, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you next time on the Online Enquirer podcast.